Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? again and this is Old Soul Sojourn. My guest today is again Joyce Slaughter of Mosaic Starfish. Welcome back Joyce. Hi Michelle, thanks for having me back. Yes, I'm so excited. This is really the the idea I have with these podcasts and um, being able to continue conversations, right, to build off of them and um, so this is exciting. You're the, the second guest um, here in these last few weeks to to repeat and this doesn't have to be the last one either. So, but I do want to, um, for those who are new or those who are just maybe a little unfamiliar, I want to reintroduce Joyce. Joyce Slaughter is the owner of Mosaic Starfish LLC. Joyce has diverse background in history that includes mentoring and leading in a corporate setting for 23 years, studying yoga philosophy and principles for 13 years, and providing coaching services for more than 10 years. She has developed a business coaching framework based on this unique background. She has a deep passion for the study of gratitude, which we will get into a lot today, that she has used to create a 21-day experience which guides participants into what she calls embodied gratitude. Most people know the power of expressing gratitude, radiating, sending it out into the world, But Joyce wants to help guide people into the experience of being immersed in that feeling of gratitude within their own bodies. Awesome. I am looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Me too. I will happily talk about gratitude any day. I think you know that. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting. I I don't want to... um, minimize what you're doing in any way. In fact, I think this is a very pertinent point, and that was that you had discovered, you were telling me you discovered some other coursework that has recently launched with the same name. And I think sometimes as artists and creatives, we can get a little bummed out by that, you know, thinking, oh, we were so onto something. But I think it also indicates a need. I think it indicates a a calling, like, you know, more than one person is onto something because there really is a demand for it. How, how are you feeling about that now, this embodied gratitude in multiple places? I agree. I, I absolutely agree. I believe in the collective consciousness and that ideas come to, um, great ideas will come to one person and if they don't act fast enough, not to scare anybody, but if they don't act fast enough and if the creative consciousness thinks that idea needs to get out there, it will start to give the idea to other people. Um, And the great thing about that is we all have a different approach. We all have a different take and we all have a different presentation and a different voice. We have different people that follow us. We have different people that we inspire and we have different ways to help people grow. And so clearly this concept of becoming embodied with gratitude is something that the world needs right now. I have taken um, one of the other courses and there was a meditation and I did both of them and they were fine. They were lovely and they were very, very different from what I'm doing. So uh, that just kind of reinforced that belief for me that 
the universe, the collective consciousness, the great awareness, God, whatever verbiage your listener uses for that spirit really wants this concept out there. So yeah, absolutely. To, to contributing. Yeah. Well, and it's not like we're, we're trying to be the, the person in the history books for inventing the airplane or, <laughs> or inventing electricity. Right. There's no Tesla versus Edison here. I think you're, you're very right in that there are different ways to present and that uniqueness will draw certain people to you and, and the other person's uniqueness will draw certain people to them. And not only that, there may be very, very wonderful ways that different programs cross-reference and complement each other. I imagine I could take three separate courses on gratitude or webinars or what have you. Um, And I think you, like me, are an avid reader. And you probably read about the same topic from multiple authors and are always finding something different. So I think that's a good way to look at it. (laughs) I do. And in uh, in my collection of books, I'm going to log into my online account right now and take a look. I think the last time I counted, I had 15 different books specifically about gratitude in my current collection. Um, And then every time I I learn about a new one, I add it. I, I actually, my money mindset coach just mentioned a book about gratitude maybe two weeks ago, and I immediately went out and added it to my ebook collection and ordered it from the library. It came over the weekend. Uh, So now I've sat down and I've started reading that book, especially books that are more from the scientific approach. Those are the ones that I'm really interested in. There's a couple that I had in my ebook collection that have disappeared. Uh, There's a really fantastic one that's very, very academic and very clinical um, that has been pulled out of production for some reason and now it's incredibly expensive on Amazon and it's absolutely fascinating to me what is it about that book that they've is he coming out with a new book is he doing an expanded version so I actually looked up the professor that wrote the book and I'm going to reach out to him this week and see if I can't talk to him because I think that's fascinating why when I first saw his book, it was $40 on Amazon. And I did the, oh my gosh, you know, I've got eight books on gratitude to read. I'll read these first and then I'll go buy that book. And then when I went back to get it, it was 250 And I went, wait, what? Wow. And now, yesterday it was 846 Well, and I know I thought, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason on Amazon, but that's crazy. <laughs> right. And there's only one copy available. So... Mm. But it's this obscure text that was written in 1993. Like I said, I had it in an e-reader. It's very academic. No one's going to sit down and read this for a leisurely Sunday read. This is for somebody who really wants to study gratitude. So on the one hand, I'm really excited because that means someone else is really getting into the study of the science of gratitude, and hopefully there will be more work about that. But also I'm a little like frustrated because I wanted to read the book and I'm not paying $146. But I'm hoping to have a really interesting conversation with the professor about it. I'm hoping that he responds to you too and that then that it does lead to great things. And yeah, he might just have a spare copy that he sends you. One can hope. Wouldn't that be fantastic? It would be. A copy of a obscure academic text on gratitude. (laughs) 
I have found some interesting books in the in the realm of imagery and the imagination that that have had some interesting price tags and I've got one I'm looking at now. I do I'm able to check the ebook out from the library fortunately and it's 40 bucks on Amazon and sometimes the you know I've I've looked at a couple that are you know 60 and 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 slightly up nowhere near $800 but it <laughs> Sometimes you can rent if they're a textbook on Amazon and sometimes you can at least get a, a, a halfway decent price, but even sometimes the e-textbooks are just crazy ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So, you know, if I go into my, uh, I use scribd.com for my e-read. I have Kindle as well, but I use Scribd mostly and I get some really great obscure texts on that. And, um, there are 500 documents that have been uploaded, 408 audiobooks, 229,000 books about gratitude. And then there's also lectures and podcasts and articles and things. So clearly gratitude is something people need and want more of. Now, as I scroll through a lot of these titles, there's a lot of journals, which is great. That's where I started as well. Um, and a lot of really successful people talk about gratitude journaling. And for people who use the five-minute journal, I think that's the very first step in the five-minute journal. I know Brendan Burchard talks about it and Oprah Winfrey and Richard Branson and some really, really successful people talk a lot about gratitude journaling. Um, and it's clearly a hot topic. I mean, you can scroll through any number of books and there's gratitude journals, 5,822 versions, you know. So definitely powerful stuff. Other people are recognizing how important it is to be grateful. Um, my goal would be to take it to the next level. Gratitude journaling is fantastic. I personally, in my experience, and this is just me talking for me, found that it became a, a rote exercise because it just became something that was on the to-do list for the day. You got up in the morning, you were grateful for, you know, I, I learned from Dr. Wayne Dyer that you get up and the first thing you do in the morning is you say thank you because you woke up again. I mean, that's a very simple, very basic one. It's a really great way to start the day. Mm -hmm. And then if your first focus is a couple of things you can be grateful for, three things that you can be grateful for that's common these days in the planning systems and planners. And like I said, the five minute journal has that. And a couple others have that. That's a great way to start the day. And then my practice includes an end of the day gratitude. At the end of the day, I, I have a blurb about something I'm grateful for. I have something that I forgive someone or myself for. And then I ask the universe for guidance so that I can sleep on it and have the answers come to me. That's my end of the day practice. There's a lot of people that do, these are the five things I'm grateful for. But what if we took that one step deeper? We already know that gratitude, doing that level of gratitude practice actually rewires the brain. NLP research shows that this creates new neural pathways and that neuro, neuro, mirror neurons begin to respond to each other in better ways. We know that mirror neurons like attract attracts like and we want more of this so let's do more gratitude and get more mirror neurons firing and attracting each other 
So how do we take that deeper? How do we actually um, bring that into our body? And this is what really got me fascinated when I realized that my daily morning three things I'm grateful for practice, when I realized that had just become something to check off my to-do list, I realized that what was missing in a lot of those practices is the somatic aspect of it, the tactile tangent. Uh, we talk a lot these days about epigenetics and cellular uh, trauma and things like that. And there's all of these bodies of work. And it just happened to come to me in some of my studies of that sort of thing and having friends that do a lot of somatic work that these gratitude journals are a great first step. But how do we pull that into that somatic level, that cellular level that actually brings some changes about? Yeah, that's interesting because I, I like to think of that and I mean, it's like some of our rituals become thoughtless habits or, you know, like you said, you're che checking off the box. It's kind of almost like a physical cliche as opposed to words where the meaning becomes lost because it's just another something and it's it's empty of meaning. And I think really whether it's a a verbal phrase like be thankful, which in many ways has become cliche because it is so common and it's just so pat easy to say that, right? So I think you're right. on to something here, whether it's the, the words that we're saying or the things that we're doing in order to remove the cliche or move past the cliche, we have to go deep. Yes? Yes. Yes. So last time we were talking a little bit about your your gratitude uh, practice. One of the days was about looking into the mirror. I think you called it the living container. Why don't yeah. we, why don't we revisit that and maybe go deeper this time? Can you kind of give us an overview and then go deeper with it? Sure. So there's a meditation in, um, so I have a 21 day course what we would normally call a course. I'm actually calling it an experience because I don't want people to think of it as another course that they're learning something. I want them to actually experience it. Like I keep using this word somatic, which means to bring it into a cellular level. So that would be something we actually experience. So I'm calling the entire program an experience. And one of the days within the experience I call the living container gratitude. And I've uh, recorded a meditation that goes along with it. And what I would like people to do when they go through this particular activity in the experience is the basic steps are they stand in front of a mirror. And they can be closed or they can be naked, whatever is most comfortable for them. The point is to, to begin to get in touch with your body. Some people are fully comfortable in just their um, what what Ram Dass used to call the meat puppet or the meat skin. Some people are fully comfortable looking at themselves. Some people are not. So wherever you are, this experience meets you there. When you stand and you look in a mirror, we have become habituated to stand in front of the mirror and look for what's wrong. Do mm -hmm. we have toothpaste on our chin? Do we need to pluck our eyebrows? Is there kale in our teeth? 
We come to the mirror to find things to change about ourselves. But this particular activity is to just be with yourself, to make space for yourself. So you begin by coming to the mirror, you stand there and you gaze upon yourself. And I imagine for many people, I know it was for me, it takes a little bit of time to break that habit of, oh, look, there's this, or, you know, my glasses are crooked, or, you know, whatever it is that we're finding to correct. That's a habit, and we have to take a minute to step away from that habit. So we, just like with meditation, we allow that thought to come, and then we don't push it away, we don't shun it, we don't shame ourselves, we don't criticize ourselves, we just accept that that's the thought, and then we let it go. And then we stand there and we look, and people can do this with or without the recorded meditation that will be in the experience. Uh, they can, or they can do this multiple times a day. It's, it'll be completely up to them. And then I have them go through a yoga practice that we call four corners. And what they do is you lift and spread your toes and you separate them wide and then you ground into the four corners of your feet. And I go into a lot of detail about this in the, in the meditation so that they can actually feel the tile or the linoleum or the carpet, or if they have shoes on, what do their socks feel like? What do their shoes feel like? Actually feel that, make contact with that. So that they begin to get in touch with that, their body. They make that connection with themselves. And from there, we move up the body, and we, uh, the meditation that I have recorded for this talks about different things about their calves and their shins and their knees. We pay particular attention to the knees. You know, if you think about all the work our knees do for our body and how functionally limited they are in terms of movement, I mean, they can only move the front and the back. If you start moving them side to side, they get cranky and things like that. So we move up the knees to the thighs, and then we take a moment, we pause in the hip waist area because that's where we hold a lot of emotions. It's also our safety security chakral area. It's where our sexual organs are. And people get a little bit uncomfortable there. So it's just taking a moment and settling into that space. And I have a little bit of breath work that they can do right there. And then we move up to the belly. And belly seems to be even more sensitive for most people I've experienced, male and female, this is where we tend to hold a lot of our extra weight. So people tend to be a little sensitive. If it's a, a woman who's had children, that's where she's not been able to get rid of either some extra skin or some extra weight. And there's always this little sensitivity around that. Um, maybe there's too many beers sitting there for a guy or cheeseburgers or, you know, whatever. So we have a part in the meditation where we let go of that. And then we come up the body into the chest area, into the heart area, and we take a moment because this is where gratitude really lives, right, in our mm -hmm. heart. And there's a lot of research these days about heart coherence and things that are called torus fields, T-O-R-U-S fields, and it all sort of radiates from this space. So now that we've moved up through some of the sensitive areas, and I know people have things about their hair or their chin or their their bat wings or whatever, but by the time we get up to the heart or the chest area, we've gone through some of the areas that people are really triggered by, I guess I would say. I, I don't 
think I know anyone who isn't triggered by some of those lower areas of their body. So how do we then come into our body and accept those aspects of ourselves before we begin to move up to other things? We take a few breaths there. I lead them through a very short breathwork practice. This takes about 15 minutes for the whole meditation. Um, and then we move into our back and our shoulders and our neck and the gracefulness of the neck and thinking about how much the human head weighs. I mean, anybody who is our age remembers um, that movie with Tom Cruise and the little kid comes out and all oh, the human head weighs. Da, da, da. Well, the human head really does weigh between eight and 12 pounds. And so if you think about how small your neck is, mm-hmm. holding that much weight is pretty substantial. We never think about that. I never think about that. or I never used to think about that anyway. And then moving up to the top, and then the whole thing is a container, right, that we live in. So mm-hmm. hence the I living see. container. I just got the connection. I see now when you call it that. There were, there were three things that, that I noticed as you were describing that. The first being that you call it an experience. I absolutely think that's genius, right? We're everybody's writing courses and writing work and nobody needs more homework in that sense. But to really make it an experience is really to have it be embodied. You know, we can read books all the time and we can stay in our heads and we can, we can not do the exercises or we can fluff the exercises. But what this is really doing for people, I think is, um, I mean, it's just what it says. I I can't even be a more original with it is it's an embodied experience the second thing I noticed, I mean, who would have thought that your feet have four corners? <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> pushing my feet into the ground, you know, trying to, okay, all right, well, you know, I guess they do, two on the back and the heel and the, the big toe and the little toe. And I, you, you can actually feel your foot sinking into the ground and I'm not standing on them per se, but I can feel that, you know, my weight would be more mm-hmm. supportive and then moving up the body, that was the third thing I noticed is that in many meditations, you get this body part by pot, body part relaxation, right? Okay, we're going to focus on the head and focus on your eyes and then moving down and you focus on the neck and you, you maybe you tense up and then you relax and tense up and relax so that you're working that, that muscular system to do this full body relax from head to toe. And yours is so interesting. I had never heard anybody do this before not that you can't go from toe to head but here you you're I and I I can imagine it's relaxing but it is more of this gratitude for this Mm -hmm. what you call a living container that we're in and how utterly perfect it is even with all its imperfections yeah well how often do you think about what it does for you I mean, your feet, regardless of how much or little we weigh, if you think about how tiny feet are, even if you have the biggest feet in the world, they're really tiny compared to the rest of your body. (laughs) Yeah. And they hold your whole thing. And then we move and we run and we stomp and we dance and we play and we jump and we crawl and we, how much work do they put in for us every day? And when do we ever just look at them and say, thank you? Yeah, I think I, I can appreciate this so much more now than, than the last time we talked about it. I think I was still missing that piece. So I appreciate you 
expanding on the idea of this living container, because I think last time I was, I was talking about, you know, just looking through and fighting the feelings and you had mentioned, well, you know, I don't really believe in fake it till you make it or, or pushing things away. We just accept them. We notice them. We're aware of our feelings and we just let them pass. And so we, we kind of move through this cloud system to the other side where the rainbow is, right? Right. It's kind of a tangent, but I, I really do not like that phrase, fake it till you make it. Um, And actually Danielle Laporte has a really great way of saying it that I like so much better. And I've gotten a little, I start correcting people when I hear them say that. That's why I bring it up is uh, Daniel Laporte says, faith it till you make it. Believe in whatever it is. Don't fake it. Why would we fake it? We're, you know, why are we pretending or lying to ourselves? If we're trying to get to a certain thing, then we have to believe we want to get to that thing. So we have to have faith. Mm. So faith it until you make it. And I'm completely paraphrasing her, and, and I'm sure it's not anywhere near as glamorous as how she says it, but that's the gist of how, what she says. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, I have my problems with it, too. I think it's, it's a very misused term, and I can definitely appreciate um, Danielle Laporte's revision of it, because I think there is something about us feeling like we're not quite there yet, whether it's an imposter syndrome or just the fact that we haven't made it yet and there is so much to learn, how do we act as if, right? I, I kind of prefer those that acting as if, but not in a way that is arrogant or, or sometimes could be dangerous depending on what you're, what you're acting as if, right? But just, again, that uh, courage and faith to move forward, even when you don't know quite what you're doing. (laughs) Well, if we revisit some of the old scholars, um, like Wallace D. Waddles and Napoleon Hill and Florence Scovel Shin, they all have a version of face it till you make it. They all have that act as if, that future, I think it's called future forward journaling we do now. Um, there was a whole movement in the early 1900s to the 1920s where there was this group of people that were really trying to teach people that you have to believe you can do the thing you want to do or be the person you want to be before you can actually get there. And that work kind of got lost for a little while and then it would pop up and then it would get lost again. And I don't know if, uh, if it's necessarily popping back up again. I know there's a lot of people in my circles who are rereading Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich for like the 80th time or um, devouring Florence Scovel Shin's work. And it all depends on what kind of thing you like. But there are a lot of authors over the years who talked about this and can directly tie it to different scriptures. Um, this kind of belief system is very prevalent in the Christian Bible. It's very prevalent in Hindu mythology. It's very prevalent in a lot of old classic works. Um, recently, I, I 
listened to a translation of some Kabbalan work, and it's very heavily, deeply enmeshed in that as well. Um, so this isn't something that's new or new age. It's not anything crazy. It's just something that we stepped away from for a while, and we really need to come back to it, uh, especially in this day and age where there's so much bitterness and complaining and blaming of other people. Well, it is actually very easy to be grateful for the things you have, whether you have a little or a lot, regardless of how much more you need, how much more you want. And then once you've achieved this state of gratitude, then you can begin to move forward into obtaining that. But it's pretty well documented scientifically and theologically that without gratitude, without the positive feelings, without the happiness and joy and acceptance, you can't get to the next step. Right. Right. It's funny. I don't, I don't like to use the term new age either because it's so ancient. The, these wisdoms, uh, teachings are amazingly ancient. And I don't mean passe or past date or outdated. I mean, they are timeless. Right. So it's beautiful. Well, let's get into a couple other, I know we're, we're not going to give away the whole bank today and, and give everybody the whole embodied gratitude experience, but maybe we can talk about one or two more of your practices that they might get a taste of. And let's talk about the holidays. We have the holidays coming up right now. And I understand that you have an idea around how we can shift our gratitude during the holidays. Oh, yes. You're talking about the food one. Ooh, food? So, <laughs> food, yes. So, you know, we're heading, um, as we record this, it's, it's fall in the U.S. And we're heading for holidays like Halloween or Samhain or uh, fall parties, Thanksgiving, uh, at least U.S. Thanksgiving, um, Christmas, some holidays like that, uh, Hanukkah, uh, different things where we have some very heavily food-centered holidays. Not that the food is the purpose of the holidays, but food tends to come with our holidays. It's a connection piece for humans and has been for a long time. It's, it's the way we really connect with each other is to break bread. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know you have, a, uh, you have some children in your family and you have uh, an extended family and I do as well. And there seems to be that one or two people usually, but not always, usually women, who end up doing most of the cooking, whether it's because they're the better cook or they enjoy it or it's just the role that they've stepped into. And I have noticed in my 50 years that whoever it is that's the primary cook or even like the little group of people that are the cooks, they spend a couple days or the day of just cooking, 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 cooking. And they do it from a place of love. And they do it from a place of gratitude for the fact that they have people to cook for and that they have a family. And again, we're talking about that external gratitude. 
And then the food comes to the table and the family gathers around and everybody sits down. And if grace is part of their practice, grace is said or prayer is said. And then everybody digs in and devours the food. And usually the primary cook is the last to eat. And what I've noticed is often they don't even start eating until their food is basically cold. So they've spent all this time making this wonderful food, and then they don't even get to enjoy it at its prime. And so one of the practices that I have in the experience is a practice around food and being more grateful for food. Um, and maybe the holidays itself are not the best day to practice this, but taking some time during this experience to really be contemplative as they cook their meal, as they set their meal down, if they have a family, um, I'll, I'll use my own family as an, an example. I'm the female, I'm the mother, I sit down, I make sure everybody else is happy, and then they start eating and then I start eating. For this experience, I'm asking people to reverse that. Come to the table and let someone else be the serve, the service, the server. Um, you know, you have to get your family to buy into this, of course. <laughs> Somebody else serves you, you know, for I'm the mom, I would come and sit down and they would actually bring me the food and they would actually, you know, set up the plate. Whatever it is I would normally do for them, have them do for me. And then take a moment to thank myself and have them thank me, um, and not have it be just, ah, hey, thanks, Mom, for the good meal, you know, scarf, scarf, shove the food in the faces, gobble, gobble, and leave, but actually allow the person who has done the work and put the love into the food mm -hmm. to be the first to experience that love and take that love back out. Wow, that, that just kind of moved me a little bit in my lower chakras, because that that really is powerful. I, I tend to be the one who cooks and it's because I know my kitchen and I kind of, I kind of claim my domain for better or for worse. Right. But, and I am lucky in that my husband has, he's the type of person who will, he will wait, his food will be cold because he will not start eating until I sit down and start eating. But that's rare. It's very rare. And to, to, I, th I think first of all, as the cook and the person who sits down last, potentially, there has to be in me this idea or this willingness to accept the gratitude from those other people and myself, which we are, we also aren't always very willing to do. We have a very hard time in our society with receiving. It's all about giving, 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 but for the cycle to be complete, we have to receive. But I really felt that. I felt that in my lower chakras, just like, wow, I felt really appreciated right there. Oh, that's good. That's so wonderful. <laughs> you know, and I, I recognize what this looks like for everybody that would be in this experience will be different. So it'll be, uh, it's a little bit difficult for me to explain it. I do a, a meditation in the gratitude, in the experience and give some guiding uh, principles and practices and some what ifs, you know, if your family's like this, maybe try this mm -hmm. because it, it will require buy-in. Um, my family, we don't eat until everyone's sitting at the table. 
But if we've forgotten the salt or the ketchup or a sauce or this or that, I'm the one that jumps up and gets it. Mm -hmm. How about, how about I'm not the one that jumps up and gets it. How about someone else goes and gets it? Wouldn't that be interesting? And then how does that, especially if you have children, we're, at that point, we're going beyond the, the gratitude practice and the gratitude experience. We're going into cultivating empathy and compassion within our children. Yes. Which is also something that we're, we seem to be lacking some of in our society these days. So how can we foster a little bit more of that? And, and they won't even know what's happening. Yeah. Not but only that, but you're rewriting, yeah, you're rewriting a paradigm that says yeah. that the, the woman or the mother or the, the cook does these things. And for our children to see that really starts to rewrite the way they might see their future. And that is powerful. So powerful. Yes. It puts them in partnership with the people in their lives. Yeah. So I want to talk about one more. And you had mentioned to me earlier this idea about a gratitude walk. And I know that not all yes. of us, I mean, we, we hear about forest bathing, Shinrin Yoku, um, as, you know, kind of one of these newer practices that has come out from the area of Japan, bathing in the forest, which literally means walking in the forest and taking in the sights and sounds and appreciating it in an, in an embodied manner. But not all of us live in nature, or we think we don't, we assume we've got to go to the park or the forest. But my understanding of your gratitude walk is that it really doesn't matter. Correct. Correct. So this one kind of came to me. So we're recording this in 2020. And of course, everybody in the world knows that we had a pandemic. Uh, And this one kind of came to me when I saw Italy they had their lockdown and people would go out on their balconies and you had these, these tall high rises, you know, four or five, 10 story high rises. And a guy would go out on his balcony and start playing his guitar and someone would come out and they would sing and someone would be playing their clarinet. And it, it occurred to me that nature is anywhere that we are. Mm. And, you know, People were putting their plants out on their deck. They were handing tomatoes. You know, if they had a a tomato plant that they were growing, they were handing them down to their neighbors. And there was all this community and this communion with each other and with the world. And, you know, we saw these gorgeous sunsets and sunrises in the images that came to us through social media and such. And I took a moment. And when I went out for my walk, I, I have a little puppy. He's uh, a little more than a year old. And when I took him out for a walk that day, I stepped outside and I just paused. You know, here we are. We're in the middle of this chore. The puppy has to go out and I have to do my daily walk. And again, it's checking those things off your list. They're good for you, but we don't really pay attention to them. I took a moment. I stepped outside and I noticed for the first time the tree in front of my house, the leaves look like hearts. And it's kind of this weepy tree and it kind of hangs over and it's just an ornamental tree. I'm not in the, I mean, I have forest in in my yard, but in this particular case, I'm not in a forest, but here's this tree and here's this beautiful shape. And I noticed last week that a whole string of them all turned red. So everything is green except for this one string of cascading red hearts. Wow. So 
Every city that I've ever lived in has an old building next to a new building. Might be a, a, a rugged brick facade against a smooth brick facade or a smooth concrete facade. And we tend to think of nature as nature, as the greenery, as the flowers, as the trees, as the forest. But bricks actually came from nature. They mm -hmm. got crushed and molded and things like that. Concrete came from nature. It got crushed and, and processed and formulated. This, this activity in the experience asks you to come outside, pause, do that foot grounding again, get your feet, you know, you're going to probably be wearing shoes, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're someplace where you can go out barefoot, get grounded, and then tune into what's around you and experience and feel, and something will catch your eye. Something will light up for you, or you'll notice something like, I've lived in this house for four years. I never noticed the leaves look like hearts before. <laughs> um, what can you see? And then go over and make contact with it. And how does it feel when it touches your body? We know that everything on the planet has a vibration. So how does that energy vibrate with you? How can you make connection with it? And how can you draw some of that energy into you? If it's an old, rugged building, um, what happened there? Can you tap into that? Where does that experience live within your own body? Because everything that happens to our buildings and our surroundings also happens to our bodies. And we tune it out. We ignore it. So how can you kind of come back to that experience and get in touch with that again by becoming aware of it outside of you? Yeah, I really, really am impressed that your idea of gratitude is a, is a gratitude as an awareness. It's so much deeper than just a gratefulness or a thank you, which is important, but it's this literal awareness of our own nature and the nature around us. Um, and I, I'd imagine that every single one of your 21 days includes nature in some way or another, whether it's explicit or implicit. Well, yes, because I think there's going to be paper involved in everyone. So that's trees, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I think anytime we are, we are aware of anything at all, it is this awareness of the world around us, which is nature. So um, mm -hmm. it's, it's just a beautiful, beautiful concept. Where can we find out more about this experience? Um, we can find out more about this experience on, uh, I think the best way will be on my Instagram and my Facebook for Mosaic Starfish. Um, I am in the process. Uh, I'm building this experience in a tool called Kajabi. And at some point I will be moving my website into Kajabi the URL will stay the same, but there's, there will be some periods where it'll be a little bit glitchy as we transition from the one to the other. So I think the best way for people to have consistent access, depending on when they're listening to this and where I am in the process, would be to go to Mosaic Starfish on Instagram or on Facebook. Okay, so www.mosaicstarfish would be the website, but in this case you want at Mosaic Starfish on Instagram or facebook.com forward slash Mosaic Starfish. And yeah. I 
want to let you know how grateful I am, not only for you being on this podcast now twice, but I'm grateful for all future occurrences. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really grateful for our friendship. And um, I can't wait to have you back again and uh, continue our discussions. I'm actually looking forward to possibly in the near future having some roundtable discussions where a few of my sojourners get together and start to share and expand on these same topics. So once again, Joyce, Joyce Slaughter with Mosaic Starfish, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Michelle. I, I too am so, uh, it's interesting, the things that come out of masterminds that don't seem like they're going to be related to the actual kind of work that we do. And then now here it's, six, seven, eight years later, and we've <laughs> come full circle. We, we were both doing this kind of work, and then we ventured out into other things, and now here we come back, and now, yeah, I, it's just been a really fun evolution. I'm, I'm so appreciative for you and, and the lessons I've gotten from you over the years. Thank you so much. Um, likewise, my friend. Well, for our listeners, again, you know where to find Joyce. Look uh, online for Mosaic Starfish. And this is Old Soul Sojourn. Today's guest, Joyce Slaughter. My name is Michelle Janae with Old Soul Archaeology. Until next time, dig deep.